Khalil. If you look at the bottom of your bulletins, you'll, uh, you'll see a, I kind of told you last week I'd give you an understanding of what I call the real deal. And on the bottom of the sermon, it says wisdom from the pulpit. I'll try to do that each, sometimes during the month when we preach. But that's kind of my interpretation of the real deal. Years ago, um, my, one of my family members, which everybody, you know, your family knows all about you, don't they? This is my uh, brother-in-law. Uh, about 12 years ago, uh, he was killed on a motorcycle. But uh, before that time, years before that, he had gone to my sister. And I, I grew up with this man. He's in, when I was a little kid, I was in a fundamental independent Baptist church growing up with him. And, and uh, so they, he knew pretty much everything about me. He knew the good, bad, and the ugly, right? And uh, when God st started shaking me up and calling me to do something different than, than just be a heathen, <laughs> something different, he really just started waking me up and wanted me to do what he's decided and push away what I've decided. I started to change more and more in my life, and that's what God's all about, change, isn't it? Potter and the clay changing him. But anyway, he, uh, he died, and my sister asked me to do that funeral. Most of you know this story, but I'm not going to get into that too much. But one of the things she told me was that Paul, Tom, Tom was his name, he said he called you the real deal. And that stuck with me <clears throat> throughout these years because he knew everything about me. Yet he called me the real deal. So throughout the years, I've always kept that in the back of my heart. And when this series came up, God just said, it's the real deal. Because, see, our spiritual gifts, our spiritual gifts are part of the real deal. Amen? And if you're going to be the real deal with God, even your family that knows everything about you should be able to say, that person, that woman, that man, whatever they was before is gone. They've become the real deal, and they're becoming the real deal. Amen? You change. And not just strangers notice something different about you, but your family, they, you, you change. And so I, I, in, in my brother-in-law, what he left me throughout all these years is that my family noticed that I'm the real deal. I'm a, I can be a shadow of Christ just like the rest of us. So you say, well, that's good, but it meant a lot to me, and it still does, and, and that's why we titled this sermon The Real Deal. And then I understand that because I'm the real deal, I'm one step from heaven. Amen. I'm just a step out of heaven. And, and just like the rest of you, I, I'm a step out of heaven. It's my home. It always, it's, it's been my home, and I'm ready to go home. But as long as I'm here, I want to be the real deal. I mean, I want to be what God's asked me to be. And to understand that I have to be the real deal, I have to understand my gifts. And not only do I understand my gifts, I have to be involved in my gifts. And today we'll talk a little bit about laziness. One of the problems the church has is that we are lazy. We can just be lazy. And I'm going to tell you something, lazy habits make lazy lives. It just does. You cannot go into work and just be this powerful worker, and you cannot go into God, God's kingdom and, and work for God and be this powerful worker if part of you is lazy. Lazy and work, they kind of don't go together, do they? Now I started looking around the Bible, and you know there's a lot of verses in Proverbs especially about lazy. I'm not going to get in all of them. I'm not going to beat you up over being lazy or not being lazy. But I just want you to introduce something. With our spiritual gifts, there's no room for laziness. That's not part of a real deal. You can't do that. And you can't have that part of that life 
being a couch potato and the rest of it thinking you're going to do everything good for God. It doesn't work that way. Your whole life has to be like that. I've always been a real hyper person. All of you know I drive some of you crazy. I'm hyper. I'm, I can't quit. Well, I'm happy about that. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to be lazy. I don't want any part of my life being lazy. I don't like, I'm never going to retire. Forget it. It's not happening. I'm not looking forward to retirement. When I retire, I'm going home to heaven. As long as his mind can think, I'm going to keep on doing it. No plans of retirement. I don't want it. Man, that, that's no fun. This is fun. Amen? Watching people change to understand who Jesus Christ is in life. This is fun. This is exciting stuff. It's good stuff, isn't it? It just is. So what, forget that retirement. Somebody asked me last week, well, what are you going to do? I said, what do you mean, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to preach. Yes, I'm never going to stop. Not until God says stop. I'm going to preach. I'm going to lead people to the Lord. Amen. And every time I start to slow down or think about something, I'm going back to this real deal. And understand that God has made me the real deal. Paul didn't do it. Paul don't want to be the real deal. Paul wants to be Paul's real deal. God changes us. And then when I realize that I'm one step from heaven, wow, wow, it's exciting. Go ahead, please. If we lived each moment, there's a question for you, if we lived each moment with the awareness that we are truly one step from heaven, how would we leave, live differently? Now you guys got to answer that to yourselves. How would you, if you truly understood, if you truly believe this, you really believe this, you really believe it. I mean, you say you believe it, but if you really believe it, then you've got to understand you're just a step from heaven. You're just a breath away. And if you truly believe in this, and you truly believe that there's a heaven, and you truly believe that, then you've got to believe there's truly a hell. You can't have one without the other. You've got to believe it. And if you truly believe that, then aren't you called to be something more than yourself? We are. In this church, we're doing our best to... to teach people and lift people up. This, this wonderful study, we have lots of studies in this church, but this wonderful one here, we have 55, 60 people joined up for this study. I, I won't be here for the next couple of weeks, but we'll have people in. Bill Hobbs will be preaching. Bill Earl, I mean, uh, Earl Drake will be preaching. I expect you to show up. But you know, last Sunday night when we was teaching the class, I said, I, I come in here early, and everybody knows that I come in here early, and I pray over everything. Who's going to do that when I'm gone? Well, 15 people held up their hand, and they said, they'll be here. I said, you've got to be here early. You've got to beat Brooke here with all the kids. And so I got, like it was 15 people, so they'd raise their hand, they'd be here at 6 o'clock to start praying over all the chairs and all the classrooms and everything, and I pray over every Sunday. Isn't that amazing? The, the team concept in this church, God set up in the very beginning. I had that set up before we even opened the doors because I knew that's how God uses the gifts that he gives us. And it's a way that we can understand, I am good at this particular thing. And I can work for God in that way. Lazy or empowered? Are you, are you, are you naturally just lazy? Hey, I, hey anybody ever met somebody who's naturally The person who worked beside you at work just naturally lazy, right? They just do what they have to do to get by. Well, I'm going to tell you that's the way your whole life's going to be. So are you, as a Christian, as a Christian with these spiritual gifts, are you lazy with them? Are you empowered by them? You know, they got this one red package where everybody gets, everybody loves open, everybody, anybody here don't like to open up a gift? Bill, I know you even like to open up a gift. 
not in front of people. But we all like gifts. And so this is a, the spiritual gifts, whatever, how many we have, I mean, you have there's so many of them, but they're in there. They're in there. You know, you just have to open it up. You just kind of, if we're so excited about our birthday gifts and our Christmas gifts and, and our anniversary gifts and, and boyfriend and girlfriend gifts and all this stuff, why in the world can't we get excited about the gifts that God gives us? We should be so excited, so overwhelmed about it. Because once you open them up, buddy, you're on the way to becoming a real deal. A shadow of Christ. So we should be so excited that we're just digging in there. What, what have you given me, God? What, where is it? What is it? But yet so few Christians could care less about what their gifts are. They're not opened up. For that matter, they don't even know what they are. And I'm sorry, but you should know. And if you don't know, you can know. You say, well, I just haven't been introduced yet. Okay, that's fine. All that's good. Let's get you introduced. Let's get you introduced, because I'm telling you, that's the way God intended us to work. I was called to be an evangelist, and I invented, and that's what I did. I asked the church to send me out, that's what I did. And then he called me to be a pastor, that's what I did. He gives us the power, the energy, everything we need to do that. It's not on us, it's on him. It's always on him. I used to say, well, okay, if I was a pastor, how am I going to learn? How am I going to know what to preach every week? Where's that going to come from? How am I going to do that? God said, well, it's not up to you. It never was up to you. It's always up to me. So now the problem I have is not what to give you, it's just how much to give you because I'm always preaching too long. So I have to shrink it down over and over and over again. I told Brooke this morning, my biggest problem is learning what not to give you and understanding what was just for me and what is for you because I love to give you so much. You want a short sermon today? Here it is. That's it. I actually don't have it. We'll see what happens here. If you could identify one thing that's preventing you from igniting, I mean igniting, not just a little flicker with a light, with something to light a fire with, I mean something that a big torch that is, I get them blow heaters at home and you plug them in, put that kerosene or, or diesel in there, you light that puppy up, she lights up. You get in front of that thing and you get hot quick. I mean, it, it ignites. That's what we should be. Ignite these spiritual gifts. Not hold them back, but they explode in our lives. If you could identify one thing that's preventing you from igniting your spiritual gifts, what would that be? What is it? He said, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Well, I can't tell you. It wouldn't do any good for me to tell you. I walk this, you're just a lazy person. What are you going to do? You're going to walk around. I can't do that. That's between you and God. But you need to be doing it, amen? The church is ran through the spiritual gifts that God gave us by his grace. Some of you are doing your spiritual gifts, and you don't even know what they are, but you're doing them. You just haven't put the name on it yet. It's wonderful. That God gives us a lot of grace, doesn't he? He does. You see that? I got the horses there. Everybody say renegade. The best horse ever. Come on, Blackwell. Come on, Dale, repeat that. We're, I'm a horse lover. There's only people with me. That's Renegade. That's my horse. He is the best horse ever. I'm sorry. Now, I know God, Jesus is going to come down on a big white horse. It's going to be better than that one. But for right now, that one's it. That's my grandkids. Anybody can ride that horse. I broke that horse when he was about two years old. But I'll tell you something. He needed to be broke. Everybody understand? 
That horse would just be a wild little thing running around. In fact, he, when we brought him home from the sale we bought him from, he tried to jump out of John's stall a couple times, didn't he, John? Like scared John to death. He called me like a little girl crying. <laughs> Come get your horse. <laughs> I, I, I'm going on vacation with him. I've got to watch what I say. <laughs> this horse, I thought about it, I was putting this together, so I just thought, man... Renegade just came to my mind, and I think, you know, when, all the, when John, we've had a lot of horses, John a lot more than my, him and Don are a lot better trainers and riders than I'll ever be, and Dale and Becky back there too, we've had a lot of horses, and every time we would, I'd get these new horses, I used to love to ride new horses, and you'd get on them, it's like, what in the world's going to happen next, you would just like, sometimes you'd be so tight and tense, you just didn't know what was going to happen, because you don't know what's going to happen, these horses are animals, and they're powerful, when you get on their backs, man, look out, most of the time they don't do anything, because they're just naturally lazy, we fear more than we should because they just, some of them are a little crazy, and they need to let John on them. But I got on Renegade the first time. He didn't do anything. I think John got him on the first time, and I got on him. He didn't do anything. He just kind of broke out. Just broke him. Didn't take no time to break him. And he was just this natural. We ride gated horse, this natural, smooth, perfect gait. And John just stood over drooling. He knew that wasn't his horse. It was mine. As people, we need to be trained, don't we? First, we have to be broke. We have to be broke. We have to surrender. Just like the horse has to surrender that bit and that chain around his, under his chin. It isn't me up there so much. It's that bit and that chain that's pinching him. That when you say, whoa, and you pull back on the reins, it isn't you so much he's listened to. It's the chain under his chin and the bit in his mouth that's hurting his tongue. He's like, that hurts. i got to stop. I, know that, I don't know what that whoa word means, but I just know when they do that, I mean, i got to stop. You're breaking them. God sometimes, he, he breaks us. We have to be broke from the sin that we live in to where he wants to take us. And sometimes breaking is painful. And sometimes it can be very wonderful and very natural. But for most of us, it's just painful. And that brokenness, that horse, he had to learn to, to surrender to what I was going to teach him. And you know what? One of the, one of the, somebody told Vicki, my wife, a, a long time ago when she was training a horse, said, Vicky was riding the horse. She said, whoa, and the horse kept going. That trainer stopped her and said, when you say, whoa, you mean whoa. Because death could take place. It's an animal that you're on. It can do anything to you. It can kill you. So when you say something, that commandment, when God gives us that commandment, he means do it. Amen? And as we give that commandment to that horse, we're supposed to make that horse mind us. And God is a lot more graceful than we are. Donna takes the brooms after him. John just don't even want to watch. We have to be broke. And God breaks us in wonderful ways. And we surrender over to what he's teaching us, just like that horse. And then that gate and everything about us becomes so natural because we're being trained by the best God the only God, our Lord and Savior. He's training us so wonderfully. And we, our lives and everything we do, that horse, you can do, I can just go get on that horse. I can put any one of my grandkids on him. I can just go get on him, and anybody can ride that horse. And they get off of him, they're all puffed up. I said, well, get on another horse. That just happens to be a renegade you're on. It's the horse that is so good. It's our God that is so good. Amen? He just makes us look good. That is what that horse does. He just makes me look so good, John. 
when it actually it's, it's God that makes us look good. It is. So to be this real deal, I have to be broke. I have to be trained. It's a process of time. But I turn over everything to him. And the problem is, if I don't stay broke and I don't stay trained, I put that horse back out into the pasture. He looks like a beautiful thing out in that pasture. It can be a, a pretty thing out in that pasture. And all he does is stuck his head in the ground and eat that grass. He becomes lazy and fat. Not worth much at all. You go out there and try to get him. You know what he'll do? What we do when God tries to pull us in. He'll take off running. Now, I'm going to tell you a true story. You don't laugh at Vicky. Where's Vicky? Is she in here? Good. Now, years ago, when we first started riding horses, a long time ago, Vicky had this horse called Logan. John, you know the story, don't you? Vicky's up in the pasture, and look, she had the halter. One thing, you take a rope or a halter out there, that horse knows. They're so smart, just like we think we're so smart. That horse knows, and she goes up in the pasture, and she says, Logan, come, come here. And so Logan looks at that thing, and he's like, boom, he's gone. He says, you ain't catching me. That's what we do with God. God calls us. Come, come, come here. And boom, there we go. Acting like we know exactly what we're doing. Pretty soon, Vicky's just screaming and yelling, Bow! What does she always say, John? Oh. There you go. <laughs> Get up here and help me. And I said, I'm not helping you, you fool. You can't catch that horse like that. You got to have some feed. <laughs> I'll tell you something, horse is hard to catch. So are we. We can be difficult people. But I'll tell you what, you keep, you keep allowing God to chase you. He'll catch you. He'll catch you. He'll break you, and you'll surrender over to over him peacefully. He'll show you the amount of love and grace. Vicky caught that horse finally that day. She wanted to beat that horse. But she didn't. Best I can recall, she took it back to the barn. She screams a little bit. Vicky does a little screaming. But then she got on that horse and rode that horse. We can learn a lot from animals, can't we? Laziness is not a path to finding and fulfilling your spiritual gifts. You can't love what you don't know. Amen? Some people say, you say well, I, don't, I don't know God, I don't want no part of God. How, if you don't know God, you can't love him. You can't say, well, I believe, because you don't know what you're saying you believe. You've got to take this process and let God work in your lives. Therefore, turn and live. Amen? Turn and live. Let's go to the scriptures, please. Proverbs 15, 19. The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns. That's, that's not a good thing, right? A hedge of thorns. Everybody's getting a hedge of thorns. They're not fun. A hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. In other words, a smooth path. If you're a lazy man, you're going to continually be dealing with situations and circumstances in your life. But if you're a man or a woman that's learning to love and learn with God and, and go with God, becoming that real deal, your spiritual gifts, your highway, it's going to be a highway, just a smooth highway. When I get on my horse, he's smooth. He doesn't bounce. He's gated. He's smooth. I love that. It reminds me of the way we're supposed to be with God. Some of you want to come in here and you want to do things with God and you get on a horse and it's like boom, boom, boom. You ever ride them rough horses? How many of you rode horses in here? All right, well, I'll tell you, some of you know when you get on a horse, it's like beat you to death. 
Yeah, it's because they, as we start working out with God, and also we want to do part of what God wants us to do, but not the, all of what God wants us to do. And it's like, beats you to death. It didn't have to be that way. Our God is a smooth God. He doesn't do things that way. You do things that way. He doesn't. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. So we desire these things. We want that perfect thing. We want to be like that. We want to be the real deal. But we can't get past the laziness to become the real deal. We just expect God to do everything. Well, he will, trust me. But you've got to be willing to be with him. He does do everything, but you've got to be willing to be with him. You've got to pick up your Bible. You've got to pray. You've got to study. Without this, without the word of God in your life, you will fall. And you'll continue to fall. Without the prayer in your life, what will God give you? Because you're not praying to him to give you anything. You guys are going to get me excited. I'll stop really going. But the soul of the diligent, somebody say that word for me. Say it again. Shall be made what? Rich. Is that a lie? Okay, it's not a lie. So the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. You say, well, I love God. I believe in God. Well, what? What part of him do you believe? What part? Either you believe it all or you don't believe any of it. You can't just take part of God. You can't throw out scriptures. You can't throw out words. It's all or nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Last week we talked about being made free. Made rich. I'm rich. It's not about finances and about money. It's not about fancy rings and fancy this and fancy that. It's about the love of Christ in your life that makes you rich. That's what makes me rich. It's about watching a church come up from nothing and changing and all these people learning who Christ is in their life. Sure, some of them won't stay. Sure, some of them will leave. But many will stay, and those that stay will change. Amen? That's what makes me rich. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Okay. I got me a light switch up here. It says Holy Spirit on and off. I'll take the Holy Spirit. Now, okay, I'm all excited. Shut him down. It don't work that way. The Holy Spirit is in your life. He seems to be on the whole time. Amen? You keep that switch on. It says here, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That means the day of your salvation, you shall receive this power that you've never had before. I'll tell you, I get on top of that horse. He's got power. He's got power. I feel the power. I understand it's there. You should know God's in your life. You should know that Christ lives in you. There should be no hesitation there. You should know that power. You should know it through the gifts that God has given us, through the love and the grace that he shows us every day. And you shall witness, be witness to me in Jerusalem. Mr. Gideon, man. I didn't say your first name, but like Gideon. Stand up again. What is he? A witness. Where is he a witness to? Everywhere, thank you. Everywhere. You say, well, yeah, but it's always wanting money. Well, how do you think things work? Do you think you can just wiggle your nose and everything happen and nothing's going to cost anything? 
It costs stuff. It's not about your money. It's about your heart. It always has been. This church has never had a money problem. We pass the plate once a week. I don't worry about it. I don't even think about it. Because God has got it. Amen? If all you think about is your money, you got a heart problem. Now, I don't, even care. I don't want your money. God wants your money. I don't care nothing about it. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. This little dinky church in Nineveh, Indiana, is becoming a, a witness throughout the world now because he brings us people that knows technology. It's not that it hasn't been capable of doing it. We didn't have anybody that could do these things. Ever, I don't know nothing about that stuff. But he brings us these people with these special talents, these special gifts that can reach the world through technology. People all around the world listen to sermons and music. What a miracle. That couldn't have happened 10, 15 years ago, could it? But it's happening today. And then Judah and all the Samaria and to the end of the earth were there. Isn't that great? See, we're there. When they wrote this down, when they put this down, and for many years up until just a few years ago, this was hard to happen, but it's here today. Amen? It's here. It's taking place, and you're witnesses of it. Go ahead, please. In Ezekiel was a vision. It says here, Yet the house of Israel says the way of the Lord is not fair. See, that's the world we live in today, and the church, and the, it's just not, this is just not fair, as we talked about last week, the political correctness. You just can't say that no more. Don't you do that. It's not fair. I'm going to go to that Romans and just tear out chapter 1 and 2. It's not fair. <laughs> Nothing's changed. People are people. Just, we're just people. Our natures are the same. It's laziness. It's self-pride and self-centeredness. But the people of God, you are the real deal. You are the real deal. He's made you holy. He set you apart from the world that the world can see a better way to live. Amen? You're supposed to be the better way to live. We are. They are supposed to see this in us. And then we're supposed to really turn away from the evilness of this world. And be this holy people he's called us to be. We can go in the Old Testament and read over and over and over again how they would not do it. And then they would do it. They would not do it. My goodness, we have the cross and the grace of Christ today. We're going to be held accountable even more. The way of the Lord is not fair, O house of Israel. Is it not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not fair? God replies to them. God's ways are fair. And only his ways are fair. If you're not thinking in that, in that mindset, that's not God's problem, it's your problem. Therefore, I will judge you. Who's going to judge you? God's going to judge you. He's going to judge us. O house of Israel, O church, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn. Amen? One of the most beautiful words, repent and turn. Repent and turn. Those words have been around for thousands of years. They've been around for billions of people to listen to and hear. Repent and turn. You know, I look at people, in the, they're in the states they're in, the financial states and the drug states and the alcohol states and the divorce states and this, that, and the other, and it's this over and over and over again. And, 
It's like, it's never been that difficult. It really hasn't. You just, do you love your struggles that much? Are you in love with your, your life, the struggles of your life? Are you in love with them so much that you won't listen to the word of God? It's insane. It's insane. Foolish, God calls it. But yet we go back to our lives and people that don't know Christ or Christians that are not really Christians are just acting like Christians. They go back to their lives and the whole life is a total wreck. And it's just, he says, repent and turn. Oh man, it's not understand all of God's word right now. It's not know everything in the Bible. Just repent and turn. One of my very first principles I ever gave to this church is it's not how much you do you know, but how much you love what you know. Amen? God gave me that principle a long time ago. It's not how much you know. It never has been. It's how much you love what you know. You grab a hold of that one verse. You fall in love with that one verse, and God will give you the second one. Then he'll give you the third one. Then he'll give you another book and another book and another chapter and another chapter. And you'll just keep falling in love with every bit of it. But you've got to do it. You've got to fall in love with it. You've got to turn and repent. Repent and turn from all your transgressions. How many of your transgressions? How many of your sins? How many, how many are you supposed to repent and turn from? All of them. Is God satisfied with half of them? No. It's all. It's, it says right there. So if I say I believe in God, then I have to believe in this. Because this is God. This is God. This is the word of God. This is the truth of God. This is what he's given us to understand who he is in our lives. This is it. It's not even that big. It's not near big as some of the government books. It's just this big. It's not that big. And this is large print. <laughs> it's not that funny. <laughs> yeah. Repent and turn from your transgressions so that inequity will not be your ruin. What is he saying? So what, so what won't be your ruin? Inequity, sin? So it will not be your ruin? Let me just ask you guys, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Just be, answer this yourself. Are you real happy with your lives right now? I mean, are you really excited about your life? Are you excited about where your life's going? If you can say, yes, amen. By the grace of God, we're going to go, amen? But if you can say, I got this situation, that situation, that situation, I'm not really excited about that. I'm not really excited about tomorrow morning. Ah! I'm telling you, when the word of God is in you and the love of God is in you, you're excited all the time. It's hard not to be excited. It's, it's just like this. You just want to, I want to shut it off. I'll tell you, when, when God lives in you, you can't shut it off. It should be a shocker. This is, I can't shut off. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. What's he saying to get? Cast away all of it. Get yourself what? Everybody say a new heart and new spirit. New heart and new spirit. Sounds good to me. Sounds fantastic to me. A new heart. A new life. A beginning of a brand new thing. A new heartbeat. A new beat. I don't beat by the way I used to beat. I beat by the word of God. A completely new way of living. For why should you die? God's saying, why would you want to die and go to hell? You say, I believe in God. Well, then why would you want to die and go to hell? Are you, are you doing what he asks us to do? And it's not about the doing. It's about the love of understanding. Amen? 
I don't do to keep myself out of, out of hell. I do because of the love of God. He kept me out of hell. I can't keep myself out of hell. He did it. I do because of love. Because I want to know who he is. Changes you to the real deal. I'm running out of time. A new heart and a new spirit for why should you die? O house of Israel, O church, why would you want to do that? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies. What's God saying? He has no pleasure in someone dying. He is he's not a God of, of revenge. He's not a God of anger. He has no pleasure in saying, well, you've been so bad to me, I'm just going to kill you and send you to hell. He's not a God like that. He's a God of love. But you've got to do it his way. I told you over and over and over again, God will never compromise with you and your sin. Amen? You can walk out these doors and get mad at me all you want, but I'm going to come back. The next time you go back, I'll tell you the same thing. He will not compromise with you and your sin. It will not happen. If he did, he wouldn't be God. I got this long extension cord out here. You know, you just got to, you guys all heard this. You got to plug into the word of God. Amen? And sometimes our extension cord, we may be far off doing different things, but that cord needs to be hooked up between you and God the whole time. Amen? It always needs to be hooked up between you and God. And it can't be no little sissy cord that can burn out and a breakers be loan. You know, it's got to be a nice, big, thick cord. This little cord will hold a lot of power, you know. It's got to be a thick cord. Because I'll tell you something, Satan's out there too, right? He's going to come and try to flip that breaker every time, try to throw that switch off. That's what he does. Stay on. That's what he does. We talk about Nehemiah a lot through this series, and this is the last verse. It says, so we will build the wall. As we talked through Nehemiah the last four weeks, talked about this wall. It says, we will build the wall. The entire wall was joined together and up to, its half, up to half its height for the people had a what? Everybody read that. They weren't being lazy people, were they? Now, before Nehemiah got there, before God brought Nehemiah there and all the wonderful things that came with Nehemiah there, I don't know what they were doing, but they weren't building the wall. They were letting... Satan and other things interfere with all kinds of things in their lives. They were letting excuses take the place of God's grace. You want to know your spiritual gifts? Start to pray over them. You mean business with God and he means business with you. Amen? Amen. You want to become this powerful person in Christ? Not for yourself, but for his glory, not your glory. He won't hesitate but to pour it out upon you. He has no desire to see anyone die. Live, church, live. Turn and live. My heart is for Nineveh. It's for the whole world. But my Jerusalem is right here in Nineveh. But I love to see people come to the Lord no matter where it's at. This church is placed in Nineveh. So we're to reach the people in Nineveh. And as we reach the people in Nineveh, it pours out everywhere. Amen? Now, a lot of you don't, a lot of you here don't live in Nineveh. In fact, a lot of you live all over the place. We got people from Beach Grove and Columbus and I don't know where y'all, Brown County and it's everywhere. Martinsville and Whiteland and Greenwood. and You're coming from all over, which is wonderful. 
So we can actually expand a little bit. We, we, stayed, we moved over here because we outgrew that over there. When we come over here, we, we've got about 40 or 50 kids somewhere around this church too, so it's not just you. I'm, I'm not satisfied. <laughs> I'm content with whatever God gives me, but I want people of Nineveh and all around the world to come to know who Jesus, my Savior, is. Nothing should be able to shut us off or shut us down. The story I'm going to read you in just a second right here. It's, it's a cute little story. Now as I read this, you could be one of these names that I'm getting ready to read. Everybody, anybody, somebody, nobody, and somewhere else. Have you guys ever heard this before? Let me tell you a story of four young lads by the name of Tom, Dick, Harry, and Joe. Their full names, in fact, were as such. Tom, somebody. Dick, everybody. Harry, anybody. And Joe, nobody. Together, they were the best of friends. But I must confess, when it came to a task, they weren't very good. You see, when even they were, even whenever they were given a job, they all became They all began to fight because this is how it always went. Everybody was sure if somebody would do it. And anybody could have done it, but then nobody always ended up with the task. When nobody did it, somebody was angry because it was everybody's job. But everybody thought that somebody would do it instead. Now nobody realized that nobody would do it. So consequently, everybody blamed somebody. When nobody did what when nobody did what anybody could have done in the first place. Now don't start arguing just yet because I have another story of these same friends. Now as you may have guessed, these four were great young men having fun. They were active. They were busy people. But what they, what they accomplished was a shame and everybody knew it. You see, everybody had a good idea. But everybody thought somebody would follow through. However, somebody thought anybody, it's a tongue twister. However, somebody thought anybody would work on it. And anybody thought everybody should do it. So nobody ended up working on it again. Now one day, a contest was announced. All the boys were sent to enter, enter. And now everybody thought anybody could win the prize. And anybody thought somebody would win. And somebody thought everybody would get a prize. Nobody was the smartest of the four, and nobody was very faithful, and nobody worked very hard. Thus, nobody won the prize. No, I have but one more tale to tell you of another friend of the four. This is a sad, sad tale of the death of a man called someone else. You see, all the boys worked at a firm, and at this firm worked someone else. Now, for the four were greatly saddened to learn of the death of one of the most valuable members, someone else. Someone passing created a vacancy that will be difficult to fill. He had been around for years, and for every one of those years, someone did far more than the normal person's share at work. When, when, everyone, when anybody... Let me start that again. When everybody mentioned leadership, somebody always 
look to the wonderful person for the inspiration and results. Somebody else can do this job. When there was a job to do, a need to be filled, a place of leadership, the name was always given somebody else. Everyone knew someone else was the largest giver. Whenever, that, whenever there was a financial need, everybody, anybody, and somebody always assumed that someone else would make up the difference. Now someone else is gone. And the boys all wondered what they will do. No long, What will they do? No longer can they utter the words, let someone else do it. If it is going to be done, one of them will have to do it. And I guess most of the time, it will be nobody. Sad to say, but a lot of God's churches are full of nobodies. We failed in exercising our gifts. We failed at even trying to find our gifts. The crossing. By God's grace, we're not going to fail. You keep the prayers up. You keep the Bible studies going in your families. You keep going and you never stop. You never stop. You don't count on me. You don't count on any man or any woman. You count on the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall not fail. No matter what the world looks like failure is to the world, you shall not fail with Christ. You shall go to glory land. You'll be one step away right now, but you'll go to glory land. God is safe. Welcome, faithful servant. There's a song I asked for him to sing today. and We're going to sing that. We'll come back to the words for the week in just a moment. Surrounds me, you never. 
oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours, and you are mine. for the week. Go ahead, yell them out. Christ, grace, what? Give it to him, John. Christ's grace, grace produces gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit. Is it time for you to use your spiritual gifts to become someone else? Are you dissatisfied with nobody? The church only works as we bring our spiritual gifts together with the talents and the love of Christ. It works through us, not one or two people, but through all people in the church. Through all. Through all. You have to turn and live.
My life is nothing. When I was younger, I worked and worked and worked and tried to make money, 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 money. Trying to fill an empty hole that couldn't be filled. When I became the real deal, I was filled to the brim. Money became not a God anymore. It became something I just had to have to survive. Financial problems don't really matter anymore because God takes care of those things. And I learned to organize my life, put it together the way Christ asked us to put it together. It's all right here in Word, it's Word. It's all right there, it's our direction book. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, if you're struggling in the commitment that you made to Him maybe years ago, God takes those commitments seriously. Sometimes we may not, but God does. I'm asking to come and kneel before him today. Not a man, but to him. I'm just here to help you. I'm just here to help. I'm going to open up the tables. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you're welcome at these tables. If there's something going on in your life you need to clean up, please clean them up. Just clean it up. Repent and turn. Allow God to be the the controller of your life. A horse is no good just sitting up in a pasture eating grass. It just becomes lazy and fat. But when a man or a woman gets on its back and it's trained and broken the proper way, it can become the greatest athlete God ever made. And when we become under his influence completely, plugged into him, we become the greatest Christians, the greatest people he ever created. It's between you and him. It always has been. Stand and come and enjoy the Lord today. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, this is the day, this is the time. Come, enjoy the Lord. sitting there pray for people the ones not coming this morning pray for people prayer is the most powerful tool that God has given us
y'all enjoyed this morning I hope y'all enjoyed this morning isn't God good yes, sir. It is the only disappointing about it is we gotta wait till next week to come back but we'll be here on Wednesday night there'll be people here this afternoon you're welcome to always come back one thing about this church is we don't worry too much about the building do we we love the Lord the keys out there if you need to get in this church and pray it's out there you just ask me for the combination we'll give you the combination you come in here and pray you bring people in here and pray there's nothing worth anything around here that is not as so powerful as to the Lord. We turn it all over to him. Amen? People say, well, I don't even lock my house most of the time. It never stays locked. I don't, it's not about the things. It's about him. Amen. A lot of you come in here in the middle of the night and you pray and you, you spend time with God. What a wonderful thing. Amen? I'm glad we're free around here. I love you people. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this afternoon. Father, we thank you for the message. We thank you for the wonderful music. Lord, we thank you for Kingston. Lord, we thank you for men and women like the Gideons that sacrifice so much time, Father. But it's not the sacrifice, it's the obedience that is so important. And Father, we just ask you to bless these people this week. Father, there's some here yet today that are, that are something going on in their heart that they know they need to turn and live, Father. Let them come to somebody in this church, myself or somebody in the next few minutes, Father. Or let them call, do whatever, Lord, to just come to you. Whatever struggles they're going through, Father, I want to go through it with them. And this church wants to be right there with them to help them, Father. Lord, we'll never compromise your word by the grace we go. It's in your strength and your glory, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. amen. God bless you all. Thank you.